Hi guys, thanks for joining me here on the show today. You're listening to Understanding Dyslexia. Today is episode 7 guys. Today is a really special episode where we are joined by two guests. One of them being an old Spanish teacher of mine that I had when I was in sixth form. And best teacher I ever had, by the way. And another guest is one of her students called Sayan, a current year 12 student studying Spanish, PE and art. Welcome Miss Aubrey and welcome Sayan. Lovely to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, I'm so glad. Sayan, I'd love to know what, what, um, what your dyslexia story is. When were you diagnosed? All of that. My, my uncle has like severe dyslexia. I've had that quite a bit. And then I went, since I was in my body, like signs of it. But in my primary school, they didn't really like do tests for it. And in year six, we did a test, but it didn't say like I had it. But like all my teachers were saying, yes, we do that. I can see your writing. Um, so then I went to like, a private person and did like the test there and then they said like yeah you do actually have it um and that but like they didn't i don't know like they didn't really give like much help or anything and it wasn't really talked about so i didn't know like what i was supposed to do with it um so you were kind of just diagnosed and then like let off into the world like all right you're dyslexic well that's it yeah like, they didn't really like teach you like what to do they just kind of like try and find out and adapt like by yourself it was more like that was the excuse kind of thing. It was like that was your, you were given that. How interesting. And how old were you? Sorry, I don't think I heard that bit. We're in primary school. You were in primary school when all of this happened. That's mad. Yeah. Wow. And how 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 have you like learned to deal with it now? Do, have you? Do you? I still struggle with it, to be honest. Yeah. And then I always, whenever I'm writing something, because my brain will just mix it up and then I'll write like, instead, for example, if I'm writing the, I'll write H-T-E instead of T-H-E. And yeah. I always get like, mixed up and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, I'll understand the content, but it just, it depends how the teacher explains it, explains it sometimes, or just, it won't be like sticking my head. Fair enough. Um, Miss, has Miss helped you then? <laughs> Yeah, Miss, Miss has been actually the teacher who recognised it the most. Like, and she helped me, um, well, like, she got like these colour slips, whatever. Or it helped me. Yeah, they're like. Um, overlays. Ruler. Uh, yeah, overlays. Yeah. Because like, different colours help you to like, see the words on the page more clearly. And did that help? Yeah, definitely. Because wow. when, whenever I'm like reading aloud, because I used to like do drama. And when we have to read that I was like in class like that, and I'd always stumble on the words, and yeah, because they're just gonna like be jumbled up and stuff. And um, Miss, how how um, have you ever diagnosed a student yourself? No, so I'm not formally qualified in dyslexia. Right. Um, that that's a completely separate qualification. Mm-mm. So one of the things I think I've just learned over time and become really interested in how dyslexia affects people. 
because in, in teacher training you're you're taught to put a yellow background on your board and to break things down a bit. But I think what what's interesting about dyslexia is it's really different for each person and it's trying to find out it's I I quite like psychology, so it's getting into that person's mind to see what what it feels like for them and trying to find small wins. Mm. So one, one of the issues that I have with some of my students is that, um, that yeah, they, they're almost blocked rather than enabled by their diagnosis. Mm. So it's trying to help them navigate it as well. Oh, and it's a huge psychological thing, you know, and that's what I've learned over the last few months of, of really finding out more about dyslexia because, you know, what I was like at the time, I just sort of, like, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear it, miss. I was very, I was, I was really bad. No, I was, and, and I'm sorry, actually, <laughs> um, because I now realise, because I now realise that actually it's such a waste of potential that's that's the saddest thing i think and and um and that's the the thing about education as a whole um is that if we didn't focus so much on text literally so many more people would thrive in an educational environment and it's fascinating um, the way you no, you're right. One hundred percent. It is completely and utterly designed for people that are dyslexic, and actually twenty percent of the population is. So why we're not doing something about it? I don't know. But um, did you ever? Um, I think that students can learn what to do with it, though. Pardon? I do think that I think that students can learn how to manage it and can be successful in exams if they're given. The right tools to succeed mm. and, at a, and at a relatively early age i feel like as well that helps the earlier you get diagnosed the easier it is to kind of get those coping mechanisms recognize what you find difficult and then sort of act accordingly um but um in my school, like, they'll, they'll diagnose you with dyslexia they don't really tell you what to do they'll just give you extra time you just kind of just have to figure out for yourself Oh, it was the same at my old school. It was the same, and they and they put you at the front of the class, as if as if like oh, like brilliant. No, but all right. No, fair enough. Okay. I find it easier to have you at the front of the class because A, I can see when you zone out, but also I'm learning how your mind makes connections. Like what we were doing today, yeah. you got distracted by the word snake because it, also, it triggered a memory in you. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I can draw you back in without calling your name across the class like you're being naughty. Yeah. So I find, I find it quite useful hmm. to get information. No, that's really interesting. And and Miss, how would you say you adapt your teaching methods when you've understood that someone's dyslexic? Do you like really try and find out more about them and then adapt those teaching methods, or is it is there like a set like oh I'll do this or or oh I'll print on yellow paper or I'll 
try not to call them lazy or stuff like that. I think you could just print on yellow paper. I know. Um, because that's what I thought when I was doing my teacher training. And over time, I've learned it's a lot more complicated than that. And uh, um, it, it's little things. It's actually really personalising it that makes a difference. So one person may need instructions repeated to them, and another person may actually need to start the task before you intervene to just check check what they need to do. Um, and then I've also, it, there's a big difference between reading something off the board and having it printed out. That's quite a basic thing. I think for me more, it's about enabling that person to feel like they can do it themselves. Wow. Which is the psychological yeah. aspect of it. And that's different for each person. Because it can be an excuse, can't it? You used to use it as an excuse. We'd do, we'd do a vocabulary test, and then we'd have, I can't do this, I'm dyslexic. It's like, well, you can do it, and you will do it, and we can work on that together. So things like reading backwards, I think I taught you that. Did I teach you that? Yeah. Reading something backwards, it stops your brain triggering forwards mm. and predicting what we're reading. Oh, I'm a great predictor. I used to predict the whole sentence. So I read one word and invent the whole rest of the sentence. Like, oh yeah. Like because it's like I don't even it's like I don't even do it like you do it subconsciously as well. You know, you're reading along, bobbing along, da -da 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 -da, and then you think, Oh, that's not right. But and I still do it to this day. I still do it to this day. I read something on the telly and I'll go, Oh, that's funny, isn't it? I'll look at my boyfriend, that's hilarious, and he goes, What's funny about that? And I, oh, I thought it said constipation. Oh, it didn't. It said constellation or something like that. That's not so funny. When you used to see, like, before we picked options, I used to love history. Like, I always get, like, 89 or 90%. But because whenever we had, whenever we had extracts, I used to have to reread the same sentence, like, a billion times. I was like, no, I'm not going to be able to do it because it's just too much, like, stuff to read the content. So I just didn't do it, even though, like, I drew it or something. But... Would you say you, you picked your options according to your dyslexia then? Would you say like, oh, I thought you picked something that you thought, oh, well, there'll be less reading or there'll be less... Yeah. That's, I mean, like, I, I so just sad. Did, I did the stuff that I enjoyed, obviously. Yeah. Wow, no, that's crazy. Did you did you ever um did you ever feel stupid? I know that's like not a very nice question, but I I asked that I I, I ask all my guests because generally they did. Do you know what I mean? Like I did. Like or like my friends were just like teasing. Like, I know it's a joke. Like I'll laugh with them. Like and I won't think anything of it. But like at the end of the day, sometimes I can do, and I just because it, it takes me longer than everyone else. But I guess I don't mean that you're stupid, but you just have to find what really works for you, but I don't know. No. No, and you're not, like, you know, being... I thought I was stupid for the longest time because I couldn't do what everyone else was doing. And I think with school, you're often, you compare yourself to everyone else a lot, all the time. So if you're looking over and you're seeing someone's already finished that exercise when you've wrote one word, you're going to think... Yeah, that literally happened to me all the time in English. I look over my friends done a whole game and I'm like, I'm on the second sentence. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or in art, especially because you have to write like artist analysis. Like, I don't know, like, I'll just be stuck on like, I don't know what else I'm like, about. Yeah. 
What what A levels do you do then? Spanish art? Because you're sounding a lot like me a few years ago. I'm not gonna lie. Spanish art. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. But um, Miss, what would you um, what was I gonna say? What what is um like? What would you say the correlation is between like dyslexia? Because obviously you're a foreign language teacher. And and a lot like one big stereotype about dyslexia is that um dyslexic kids can't or find it much harder to learn a foreign language. Obviously, in my case, it's not true. And and I was just wondering if if you've ever noticed that within your your students that they struggle more with with foreign languages or or not, or is it a myth? I don't. I don't think they do actually. I think often learning a foreign language because you go right back to the basics. Um, it's an opportunity to actually develop some of those skills that maybe you didn't learn lower down in your education. Mm. And so I, I think quite a few people who are dyslexic end up doing languages, which I think is interesting. I find that in fascinating a way, as well. Yeah. It's grounded in the brain, but I don't think it does. I think often that gives them the opportunity to step back and reflect on the difficulty of language without the language that they naturally speak. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Do you agree with that or disagree? Oh, she disagrees. Oh, tell disagree. me why. It's just there's so many different ones to remember and it's to and actually kind of get confusing. Agreed. Well, no, I and I agree with that as well. I, I, I would agree with that as well because you speaking I speak three languages and I it's the spelling for me because I can't like I know three languages so I can think of three different ways to spell like is that the French way that you spell it or am I spelling it the Spanish way don't know <laughs> and it all gets very jumbled up it's true that that can happen as well but I think that that's an opportunity to like make lists and see those differences and highlight the little bit of the word that's different. Because you're talking about cognates, like words that are the same in different languages. Mm, I just that. Like television. No, like, like you know what they do? I forgot the word, but like in in Brooklyn or London or wherever it was, I have to ask for it. The indefinite article. What we do today? <laughs> it's all right. It's how you think the language, I think, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And, and I remember. Think... Sorry, carry on. No, I just, I was just going to say that one thing I notice about you is that you always start things. You did this too, from a from a point of assuming you don't understand, which makes it even more difficult. So you don't look at something and think, oh, I'm going to do this. You look at it and you think, this is going to be really hard. And just shifting that mindset, and I remember when you shifted with that, um, India, there was, a big, there was a big difference in, in, your, in, your, in your well-being, actually, but also in your approach to anything. She used to have tantrums, too. Really bad. Oh my god, I was terrible. It's great time. I was terrible. I love teaching you. I learned loads from you. That's the thing, you learn more things every time you teach me. I how how I'll get like a lot like when everyone's when I'm watching over. Like in inside my brain I was just like 
You do, you do it privately. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Whereas I've got no issue with uh, airing it all out, <laughs> dirty laundry all over the gaff. No issue with that. <laughs> Really? That's really interesting because I'm a I'm a freak. Like I'm like a clean freak. I can't live uh, me, in a. I, I, I love tidying my friend's house. Like, I'll go over there and I'll take the whole thing and I'll put my. If I see it comes to mind, I can't do it. Your mum must hate that. <laughs> she, yes. she, she must not like that. Just, just going back to what um to what Miss said and sort of changing your changing your mindset. I actually, I actually went to study in in Barcelona in Spanish. I decided to go and and to leave Leeds because I didn't like it. But you know, I decided to sort of embark on this huge challenge, which was to go to for six months to go to a Spanish university and be taught in Spanish in a Spanish classroom with no English and at, at university level and I did it and I did really well and and you know I've got Miss Aubrey to thank for that of course I couldn't stop thinking about you actually when I was there I just kept thinking oh she'd be so proud of me I kept thinking that oh she'd be so proud she'd be so proud and my mum kept saying you should write her an email write her an email write her an email and um and honestly and and I think but I think it had so much to do with changing my mindset because I didn't go into that mindset I didn't go into I didn't get on that flight and think this is going to be horrible this is going to be so hard i got on that flight and i thought this is going to be one of the best challenging yes but this is going to be one of the best experiences of my life and you know what it was hands down hands down them six months that i spent there it, it was incredible and i'm so glad i did it so i would my advice to you would be like never think that you're not good enough to do something because you are and more time, you'll probably have more skills than the average person to do those things. Because one thing about dyslexics is that we can understand the situation and we can understand, like, we don't think inside the, like, we don't need to think outside the box because we don't have a box. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's, it's a huge quality, though, and you have to, but you have to, like, learn how to accept that about yourself and, and to think, well... This is who I am. It's not going to change. And 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 then like then then you can go on and do great things. And um, no, and I think I think it's a valuable piece of um, of advice. And also listen to Miss Hawbury because she's a really good teacher, and you don't come across them very often. Believe me, and not at uni either. But um, another question for you, Miss. I I, I want to know what your opinion is on 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 just the education system and and the way that like what more could be done apart from have like educating teachers more and making them understand more. What do you think more could be done to sort of not have that waste of potential of, of dyslexic students that are kind of getting lost um, within this the education system the way that it is now. Um, I think that's a very big question because the sort of systems are already in place, but I think there are, so, so the system isn't going to change, 
that I mean that's the reality. So what can we do within the system to, to make a change? And one of the things that, that you just said that really stood out for me is I'm given extra time, but I don't know what to do with that extra time. So in classes, what we could be doing is everyone's covering the same content, but we could be reducing the amount of tasks, for example, that we do, and giving you strategies for what to do in your extra time. So that you start training your brain, because you can train your brain to cope in different situations. So I think that's something that I could do on a personal level. I think generally, um, there needs to be more done to celebrate what a dyslexic person has to offer and how diverse that is, what the experience is like. And I can remember particularly speaking to um, a student, on, I was on a Salamanca trip, not, not your one, but a different one, and she's, she's severely dyslexic. And she just said, um, everything's just a scramble in my brain. So if you see, if I see a word, or if you give me a sentence, and it's a verbal sentence, my brain will already start to scramble it. So it takes me a lot longer to process. And she was just talking about what it actually felt like mm. and how she felt when she was asked a question. So I, I think making teachers more aware that it's not a sticky yellow worksheet in front of someone. It's about noticing those things to help that individual. I think those are the things that are going to make the difference. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Unless you go to a Steiner school or something like that, yeah. I, I don't see the British education system changing to accommodate dyslexic people. That's quite sad, though, isn't it? It's not, because I think in life you have to learn to cope. With, with things that are thrown at you. Mm. I don't mean to be pessimistic, I'm actually thinking... It's, it sounds unfair. Yeah, but they, they could do things to adapt things in exams, so not just have extra time, but have, do you get breaks when you get... Yeah, the movement break, but then I'll worry how can get on time. Yeah, because sometimes movement breaks are problematic as well, because then you forget the train of thought. Yeah. And then you reread what you've written and it just causes more confusion. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just different types of questions because sometimes, yes, even even my friends that don't have this episode, like, they get confused on it, but the way, like, they word the questions or the way, like, questions are, like, laid out, kind of just mesmerized, and then I'll just be stuck and, like, just frustrated and then having a mind blank. And those questions, and I'm thinking of some of the language questions, they're deliberately aimed at at getting you to decipher the finer details of the text. They've got, they've got lots of tricks in them. Mm. And that's, that's not showing, that's not allowing such someone to show their knowledge necessarily. It, it's aimed at a certain type of person. Mm -mm. So maybe a bit more diversity in the exams and in the style of question would be really helpful. Mm. Or being able to sit one exam in two settings, like if you've got two essays to write and have a proper break. In yeah, like, we, like I, I struggled to do like work at home or not, only for like many different reasons. But then like when, like sometimes in the summer, like I'd put my school blazer on just so I could like concentrate and kind of like, I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> What a brilliant story. That's, that's a, what a brilliant, um, that's amazing. 
But it's incredible the way that the brain works, dude. That putting on that blazer meant that I've never had a school uniform, so I can't really get myself into that. But like putting that, it's almost like like your cloak of concentration. Like okay, I'm putting it on. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down, and it's gonna make me concentrate. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's incredible. I think what um sort of coping mechanisms because that's a coping mechanism. That's that's you thinking right. What's gonna make me focus? School uniform. <laughs> like it's um it's amazing. Yeah, but there are yeah there are good things to do, aren't That's a good tip. I, yeah, I think more just in general in education more time which is ridiculous because everyone wants more time, but more time to reflect and to discuss strategies with other colleagues. And, you know, like I know, for example, that you're dyslexic and I've, I've brought your corner a little bit in trying to get things done for you. Um, but, but we haven't met as a body of staff or we haven't got your information from your secondary school. You know, all of those things are still pending. Yeah. And that seems ridiculous. We're in December now. I mean, it's my old school just didn't really do much. Like, I don't know if it's because there's not enough research related to it, or like, because there's such, it doesn't affect everyone, so they're not really going to bother with it. With it. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's not bothering. I think that it's such a complex topic. It's it's like a degree in itself. Yeah. You, you can just do a four-year course on dyslexia as a specialism of specialism. Sometimes when my friends ask me like, like what's dyslexia, I don't even know how to explain it because there's, there's so many different ways. And um, it's not the same for everyone. Yeah. That, that, so there's not one definition. Yeah, because yeah, they'll think it's only to do with like English and like, okay, you have, to, you have dyslexia and you need to spell it back. There's a lot more like detailed or like complex than that. Yeah, and I think one thing that would be good is for you to find your own way of saying, for me, it feels like this. I think that's quite an empowering thing to do. For sure. For sure. And, and go, going back to that sort of trying to explain to people what it's like is, um, you know, like, like I said, when I was in sixth form, I, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 16, so I was diagnosed really late, just before going to Graveney. And I saw it as a weakness, 100%. That's why I didn't want to talk about it, because I'm a very prideful person, yeah? I think of myself like that. So I didn't want to say to someone, my brain's different, because I didn't like it. I just thought, no, oh, I, I can do anything. And I think actually sitting down for this, I've been doing this project for about two or three months. It's been, I have learned more about myself in those three months than in 21 years. One, and I promise you that is a fact. So I, I would say, you know, it's, it's so true that you have to, first of all, you have to find out what it's like for you and then talk about it. It's the only way. And that's why I started doing this because it's the only way to actually get other people to understand what what it's like because it's such a complex thing why do you actually even like need extra time or like why do you have it and so then i'm just like stop i don't even know i can do that and if you can't name something 
how can you begin to process what it means to you? Mm. Um, say, um, would you say that um, it ever affected your confidence? Yeah. Your self-esteem, your... A lot. Like, I'll, I'll be, like, put down by it a lot. I'll think I can't do it. Like, I thought I was a bit other, other people, so, like, oh, like, what's that? I'm going to try and, um, yeah. I just, like, it just, I feel like it holds me back a which is very common it's it's really really common because especially when you go undiagnosed i mean i know you were diagnosed really young but when you you know when when you go undiagnosed for such a long time it it, it you know it affects everything because also you're constantly being told that you can't do something i think that's the huge thing about dyslexia that we need to move away from is stop telling dyslexic what they can't do because it's not helping tell them what they could be good at doing or, or oh you might find this a little bit challenging but you're going to be really good at art or you're really good at drama or whatever your niche is you know sometimes like the way teachers explain it as well can like really depend because i'd always struggle with maths my whole life like i used to be in bottom set maths and then in year nine i got this one teacher and I remember her telling me I've never had to explain something to you for more than five minutes. And I think because she actually did like stuff about the sex and she learned a lot about it. She and she she explained it differently to every single student. Or like if they didn't understand one way, she'll find ways to like help them understand. Or sometimes she'll even draw like a picture. Like yeah, just find like different ways. But whenever she explained it to me, like, I understand straight away. They clicked, and then. From going to what was set maths, I ended up sitting in the higher paper, and then I got like a five, which for me is good because I really struggled with it. But that's yeah. really good. No, yeah, so amazing. And that's a teaching skill, isn't it? Being able to explain something in a thousand different ways that you've learnt and that you think it because when you have knowledge, you forget that other people don't have it. Yeah. It what seems easy to you is not necessarily easy to someone else and that's really like i remember being in science and i didn't understand some new chemistry and then i asked my teacher to explain it again and he just explained it the same way and then i just still stuck and it then goes on a cycle and then like in a month of past i still don't understand the topic from like that we did ages ago and then if i try to ask again they'll just get frustrated and just don't say anything mm. and yeah that's not a good reflection on teaching <laughs> No, but it's true that, like, a good teacher, you remember that teacher for the rest of your life. Yeah. I could count on my hand how many good teachers I had. I went to a very difficult French crazy school where I had one teacher that was all right. She's the one that saw the dyslexia within me. So I'll never forget her. That's so true, like, I, I'm, I know what you mean, like, for me as well, like, teachers just stand out. Like, I had, like, one good English teacher, I will have, and because I, I hate English, like, I remember in years I started off with, like, getting 42%, and she literally doubled it to, like, 80-something. But then, as soon as I got a different teacher, like, it started to go back down. And she gave me, like, a lot of confidence, um, and stuff, and then, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, that's amazing. 
and miss. I'm going to teach in five minutes. Yeah, no, that's why I was kind of drawing it to a close and saying, miss is definitely one of those teachers for me that I'll never forget. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, thank you so much for doing this. It's been really a lovely conversation. And um, Sayed, I hope, you know, I wish you all the best. And if you ever want to talk dyslexia to me, like, feel free, write me an email, ring me up. I'm here. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Hi guys, that is the end of our seventh episode on Understanding Dyslexia Podcasts. I hope you all enjoyed that. I'd like to thank Miss Aubrey and Cyan for joining us on the show today. Um, wonderful testimony from both guests today. Uh, it's the first time we've got two guests on the show. Um, I'm sorry about the audio quality. Um, it just so happens that Cyan and Miss Aubrey were in a classroom uh, at Graveney, massive classroom, uh, not very good microphone. Um, so there you go, sometimes, you know, interviewing remotely is difficult. Uh, these things happen. Um, still, though, amazing content. Um, and again, I'd like to thank anyone who has listened up until this point. Um, I'd also like to say that next week, been joined by a really old friend of mine um called chloe chloe and i actually went to primary school together can you believe it um and we haven't actually spoken to each other for a number of years so join us as we will be discussing life at the french school uh something that's been discussed on here before but i think this will be a funny one um chloe is actually now an aspiring film producer and a comedian stand-up comedian so i can't wait to chat to her about all of this uh and i can't wait for you guys to listen so thanks again cyan miss Aubrey, everyone who's listening um same time same place next week for an episode with chloe um stay tuned guys